Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And sometimes we have recorded in Scripture these horrific and unthinkable wickedness on the part of God's people. And it's not to show us how wicked and evil God's people can be. It's to show us how good God always is in spite of how wicked and evil His people can be. Lest you come down too hard on the Israelites. Think about in your own life. How many times have you made a commitment to the Lord and not made good on it? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. We haven't always done or said the right thing, even when we promise to do it, usually more than once. The Israelites did the same thing, and Pastor J.D. will be teaching about one of those instances. We, like Israel, want to do right by God, but either through neglect and apathy or outright rebellion, we end up on the wrong trail. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Nehemiah chapter 10 with today's message. Which one? Are you going to dedicate to the Lord? Oh, no, I just, just one of them I'm dedicating to the Lord. Okay. Well, years go by and then he comes home one day and he says to his wife, his whole countenance has changed. Honey, the Lord's cow died. Wait a minute. Which, how do you know it was the Lord's? Oh no, the one that died. That was the one I dedicated. Oh really? What, what if that was your cow? that died, and the Lord's cow is not the one, because you didn't, okay, you you get the idea, right? Here's the thing, and this is something, and again, I always refer to the mainland, but we would have people that would want to donate things to the church, and you'd say, well, that's really nice of you, and then they would bring it by in a truck, and you'd look at it, and you'd go, that's what you want to donate to the church? Are you kidding me? It looks like it needs to go to Kapa'a. I'm talking about the mainland now. <laughs> it looks like it needs to go to the dump. I don't even think you'd, I don't even think Salvation Army would take that thing. Oh, but we want to dedicate it to the Lord. You want to dedicate something to the Lord? Go buy something new and give them the first and the best. And you keep that old bus up couch for yourself and give the Lord the good one. Why is it always the Lord's cow that dies, is the point. That's the moral of the story. Well, this is what they're saying here. This is their commitment here. They're giving God the best, the first, off the top. And this is one of those promises, those commands in God's Word that comes packaged with the promise. And the promise is in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. It's also in Malachi, but... Uh, it says, verse, verses 9 and 10, Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with, and here it is, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In Second Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 7, we have a very important New Testament principle of giving and It's to be done in a way that is consistent, that is intentional, 
and with purpose. And listen to what Paul says. He says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. I like how one translation renders it, out of compulsion. You know how you can have a compulsive spender? Sometimes you can be a compulsive giver, where you're just giving out of the heat of the moment. That's something that's foreign to us here, thankfully. But you can go to a church or watch TV, and oh my goodness, the guys up there just talking about how God's been hit by the recent financial crisis, and if you don't give, this ministry can't continue. And boy, they even have a word from the Lord right there. It's amazing. Just I, There's somebody out there that's going to give a $10,000 gift. I'm thinking to myself, wow. Really? I wonder if the Lord told them that, because, <laughs> but they just get people worked up into this emotionalism. And then, of course, there's always that promise, it's the seed money you give, and God will give you tenfold back. Really? Um, wait a minute. <laughs> that sounds like coercion and compulsion, and you're sort of causing them to get worked up into this frenzy, and then they give, and then it's grudgingly. It's not done cheerfully. Giving becomes a got-to instead of a get-to. I always get a kick out of the ministries that say, this ministry cannot go on if you don't give. And I think to myself, wait a minute, maybe it's not supposed to go on. One of the things you'll never hear at the end of any of our radio broadcasts, or I think we're on Olelo still, and certainly not on YouTube. We will not do advertising on YouTube. You'll never see ads on any of our YouTube videos on our channel. And you'll never have anyone that will stand up here and start poor-mouthing God and begging God for money. No. In fact, nothing wrong with it. But when I first planted this church, this amazing and wonderful and loving church, and giving church, by the way, very giving and very generous church, I made the decision that we would not receive an offering. Again, nothing wrong with that. That's something very traditional, and many wonderful churches do that. But I made the decision that we would just have these agape boxes and that people would give of their own volition the tithes and offerings and worship to the Lord, and it would be something that was done cheerfully and not grudgingly. And, you know, we have never lacked. This church has been so blessed, and God has just blessed abundantly and so generously this ministry. And I think you see the fruit of God's blessing in this church. Well, one last passage I want to share out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul says to the church in Corinthians. He says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, this is very deliberate, notice, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. Paul was sensitive about the whole money thing. So that when I come, no collections will have to be made. In other words, when I'm there, I want to devote my time not to 
tithes and offerings and money and the receiving of the offering. I want to devote my time. And I don't want to be accused when I get there, as he was falsely accused, that I'm in this for the money. That when I come there, I'm coming there to take an offering. I don't want that. So I want this done purposely, and I want this done previously, prior to my coming, so that when I come, there's no offering. There's no nothing. We're just going to devote our time to the Word of God and the preaching of the gospel. Well, verse 38, And the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes of the house of our God to the rooms of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. And we will not neglect the house of our God. You know what's really sad? <laughs> I hate ending a chapter in a Bible study like this. When we get to chapter 13, that's in fact exactly what they do. Here they make this commitment. They make this vow. They enter into this oath. We will never neglect the house of our God. And that's exactly what they do by the time we get to chapter 13. They don't make good on this commitment, but God. But God. And we talked about this at length last week in chapter 9. God is always only good and brings good in spite of the disobedience on the part of his people. That's not to say that God doesn't chastise and discipline. He certainly does. And we see that throughout Israel's history where they would be in rebellion walking in disobedience, and God would deliver them into the hands of their enemies. They would be taken into captivity, and then they would cry out, and they would repent, and God would hearken unto the voice of their cry, and then he would restore them, and then cyclically they would then rebel again, disobey God again, and God would then have to have them delivered into the hands of their enemies again. And then they would cry out to God again. And God, in His goodness and His grace and His mercy, would then hearken unto the voice of their cry and restore them to the land. As we see now, the post-exilic Jews having been in captivity there in Babylon, and they return under Ezra and then with Nehemiah, who, by the way, is going to go back, because that's what he told Artaxerxes, who didn't want to let him go and could not let him go permanently. He said, you're going to come back. Yeah, I'll come back. I can't replace you, Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is not there the whole time. He's eventually going to go back and keep his word with the king, King Artaxerxes. Well, let's close, but I want to do so with one of my favorite psalms because it speaks to how no matter what, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad we are, it cannot change how good God is. And God is able to bring good out of any situation. And He does, even with a disobedient people. And sometimes we have recorded in Scripture these horrific and unthinkable wickedness on the part of God's people. 
And it's not to show us how wicked and evil God's people can be. It's to show us how good God always is in spite of how wicked and evil His people can be. Lest you come down too hard on the Israelites. Think about in your own life. How many times have you made a commitment to the Lord and not made good on it? How many times have you done what the Israelites have done? Aren't you glad God is compassionate and merciful and slow to anger and full of mercy? Aren't you glad that God is a loving God and a kind God and a merciful God and doesn't pay us as our disobedience deserves? It's Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. And David, this sweet psalmist of Israel, knew a thing or two about walking in disobedience, right? And listen to what he says as he prays in this psalm, this song, really. This is what he says. I would have lost heart. I came this close to losing heart, giving in to despair, throwing in the towel. Unless, and I'll add, until I came to that place that I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means this side of heaven. Listen, God's going to have the final word on this. Yeah, I've messed up bad. Yeah, I've disobeyed the Lord. Yeah, I've not made good on my commitment to the Lord. And once again, I have failed. And I have a good God that's not going to say, you know, that's it. That was your last chance. I'm through with you. You're done. He doesn't say that. God will never do that. God will never do that. That's not who God is. And David knows it. And David says this, and it's like he's talking to himself. You know, there's a difference between talking to self and self-talk. I love the Psalms, and this is one of them where David starts out, and it's so depressing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I mean, he's just listing this, you know, horrific set of circumstances. His enemies pursue him. Certainly there's many psalms where he talks about Saul, who's wanting to kill him. He's homeless, living in caves for years. He's the next king of Israel. And he's homeless, living in caves on the run from Saul, who's out to kill him. And, but God, but God. And he talks to himself and he says to himself, sit down. <laughs> we need to talk. You, you need to take heart. Oh, my soul, why be in such despair? You will again have reason to praise the Lord. He's talking to himself. He's given himself a good talking to. And this is what he says to himself, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I want to say this and then we'll close. You know, sometimes we don't wait because we grow impatient and we end up trying to take matters into our own hands. Now think about that. Wait for the Lord. Don't get ahead of God and try to do something in your frustration and your impatience. It reminds me of 
a devotional by Oswald Chambers from my utmost for his highest. It's actually January 4th. I'll never forget this. It was one particular season of my life. It was just such a word fitly spoken. I was dealing with a situation, and I was growing very impatient, very frustrated. I was getting angry, quite frankly. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm just going to roll up my arm sleeves, and I'm just going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm just going to deal with this situation. And forget about this, waiting for the Lord to do it. And the writing from Oswald Chambers is basically this. Don't rush in to fill in the blank space, as so often we're prone to do. No, wait for the Lord to do it. He's going to resolve this matter in a way that you could never imagine. And if you try to do it, if you try to get ahead of God and do it yourself, take matters into your own hands and try to resolve this and not wait for him to do it, you will cause for yourself problems that will take years to make right. I'll tell you, that just stunned me. It stopped me dead in my tracks. And Chambers goes on to say, when the Lord does it, he does it in such a way that is peaceable. And it's a way you would have never thought of. He'll bring a resolution to that situation. If you try to do it, you're going to mess it up, man. You'll make such a bigger mess. I think about Peter when uh, Jesus is going to be arrested. And, and Peter takes matters into his own hands. He takes his sword and he cuts off the ear of Malchus. And what does Jesus say to him? Peter, put your sword away. <laughs> You're trying to do this for me? No, no. Uh, and he heals Malchus's ear. And the point is he makes a bloody mess trying to take matters into his own hands and resolve the situation. No, no, Peter, you've got this all wrong. I got this. Let me do this. You know, there's sometimes the best decisions I've ever made were the decisions that I didn't make in the impulse and the emotion of the moment. Sometimes the best thing I did was doing nothing at all and just waiting for God to do it. And that's across the board, whether it's in business or ministry or in my family. Just saying, okay, Lord, I, I am fully capable of getting in here and just handling this. But after I'm done handling this, I look at, I step back and I just go, oh my goodness, <laughs> what have I done? This is a bigger mess than it would have been had I not jumped in and tried to deal with it. It goes uh, this way. I'm, I'm still learning this. I don't want to stand up here and give you the impression that I have arrived. <laughs> I wish that were the case. I think about when uh, you have a, a situation um, and your, your, your tendency is to react. Uh, maybe it's a, uh, you know, to pick up the phone. <sighs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Or that email that you just type out, you know, caps, all caps. And then you're, you know, you're like, okay. And then because once you push that send button, there's not an unsend button. Oh, how I wish there were an unsend button. How many times? I have this uh, thing that I do. It's worked well. I will wait 
at least one day before I reply to a very delicate situation by email. And sometimes I'll, I'll have someone read it through their eyes. I'll have my wife look at it and say, honey, what do you... <laughs> and boy, I tell you, there are so many times I, I am so glad I did not send the email that I wanted to send just in the heat of the, of the moment and just wait for the Lord. I tell you, there are some emails I never had to send because the Lord just took care of it. Sometimes it's been a situation, I just put it into my drafts folder, and I'll just say, Lord, um, will you just take care of that that issue for me and instead of me? Because I know that you will do it in a way that will just be perfect. And I know if I try to do it, and, I, and I'm unwilling to wait, I, I'm no longer under this pressure, self-imposed pressure to try to resolve something immediately, just to get it out of my drafts folder. Just just get deal with it now. Just deal with it now. No, no, no. Just wait. Just wait. I've heard it said this way. Give the Holy Spirit elbow room to move. Give him some room. Give him some space. Give him some time. But I tell you, he let him wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Take heart, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Yeah, but Lord, uh, this is kind of time sensitive. This is kind of, what? You don't think God, who is the God of time, knows that it's time sensitive? It's been said that God is never late, but he's never early either. And and aren't you glad he's not early? I think about all the times that God, if he would have operated on my time frame, it would have been catastrophic. God's timing is always perfect. And when God, and when I wait for the Lord to do it, and I don't rush ahead of him and take matters into my own hands and bring the hammer down, you know, and I just let the Lord do it. Man, I'm just always so glad. I've never regretted waiting for the Lord. And conversely, I've always regretted, always, without exception, I've always regretted not waiting for the Lord to deal with the situation. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much for your word and just the many rich lessons that we can take home with us and apply to our lives, Lord. And I thank you for the this chapter. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that we can learn so much from what the children of Israel did and even did not do. Lord, thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to stay connected with you, so please visit our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find a link to our Twitter feed where you can join the conversation and fill your feed with encouragement. We'd also love to see you here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. 
If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Simply click Listen on the top of the page to find a number of previous messages by Pastor J.D. from various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update, where Pastor J.D. shares current events and their prophetic importance. Here's Pastor J.D. to tell you more. Yes, Josh, that's right. In doing the prophecy updates, we do focus our attention on current events through the lens of Bible prophecy. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 29, Jesus said that he has told us what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens, we will believe. This is why we have a very simple gospel presentation at the end of each prophecy update. It's our hope and prayer that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Sure hope you'll join us each and every Friday and Saturday for our Bible prophecy update. You can also find the updates at inspiritandtruthradio.com. There you'll find a link to our YouTube channel for the latest update. Thanks, Pastor J.D. We're so glad you tuned in today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has much more to share from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah when you join us again. May your day and week be blessed as you continue to grow in spirit and truth.